Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 8th, 2017. I hope you're all managed to get through this winter time, those in cold climates that is, because last night here I had, uh, oh, on the centigrade it was about 33 degrees below zero and uh, it's much the same tonight too, not quite as bad tonight, but this is all to do with global warming, you see, the, the, the warmer it gets, the colder it gets, etc., etc. As you go through this transformation of logic, which is called um, progressivism, you see, for those who don't understand the term, when the liberals come out with uh, progressive as a term, it means destruction of everything that ran before. That meant all facts, figures, histories, and logic. They just toss it out the window and we go on from there. And, uh, and we're pretty well there now, aren't we? As they progress down the, 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 <laughs> the yellow brick road to insanity. But that's what it's meant to be. And I really mean that too. I'm not making this stuff up. This is all part of the big... Uh, see, you've all been conquered and you don't know it yet. You've been totally conquered. And when you're forbidden to say certain things that are logical and what you see in front of your face at times, then uh, you've definitely been conquered when legally you're forbidden to, to say something. That's how bad it, it actually has gotten too. It reminds me to an extent of um, Woody Allen talking about his leader, his great revolutionary leader in one of his movies. And when they'd won, uh, the revolutionists had won, and come into power, the first thing the, the leader did was to say that everyone, everyone must start talking Danish immediately and wear their underwear on their outside clothing, over, the, over their clothing. That's pretty well where you get with this term called progressive, if you haven't quite figured it out yet. <laughs> they even had a touch of that in Land of the Blind. I can remember years ago, many years ago, talking on a radio show about the future which is all here now, and what was to come, and where the world elite would, were going to take us all, and right down to the kind of communitarian form of living in a set your own little area where you can't travel out of it and so on, and uh, the, the gradual abolition of what's called private property for the average person. And, and all the, and so, well, at that time, of course, you have all the questions of how they're going to manage to do that. Well, I knew they were going to do it through basically, first of all, making the rules and the laws and the strategy to, to bring it into force. We now know, of course, it's Agenda 21, and you get sections of that into 2030 and so on, and be 2060 or whatever. It'll just keep going on and on and on until they accomplish their, their, their whole goal for this century of, uh, disempowering the people and retraining the public too. Now, many years ago, 20 odd years ago, when I was asked about, well, how are they going to get the public to go that far? Because at that time, people said, well, the, the people would never stand for that. And I said, well, they'll stand for anything that they're conditioned to stand for. And that meant that they'd have 20 years of indoctrination on the general public. The children are easy. You get them at school where they can't escape and they keep giving them documentaries and so on by their favourite uh, uh, people who love furry animals and things, the guys on television. That's the ones they generally use to indoctrinate the children into the new sustainability ideas. And for the general population, if, if they watch television, which most of them all do, of course, then 
literally, uh, they'll have thousands and thousands of little bits and bytes of the same terms being put into their brains through fictional shows, documentaries, and comedies, everything. And, and, and it all gradually works away there. And then you slap on your carbon taxes and so they onto the gasoline and diesel and put their prices up until they can't afford to even drive anymore. And bingo, uh, they've achieved the goal where no more private vehicles either. That's part of Agenda 21. So I've always said that knowing, <laughs> knowing the future, simply not by a crystal ball, but reading all the documentation and then putting it out there for others to grab, and some of them, some of them even grab it and say it was your idea, is quite something to, 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 to see folk even grab your bio and use it as though it's theirs. But uh, uh, nothing does surprise me in this world at all. Nothing does. But it's a boring, boring existence, knowing what's to come, knowing how it can be achieved through behaviorism, indoctrination, through so many different means today, and knowing human nature and what the big boys know too, because they've experimented so much on us all that it's it's no big deal to make us believe in anything or, or do anything or follow anything anymore. It's quite easy, in fact. For instance, when you introduce a new tax, don't make it too expensive to start with, and people will gradually accept it. It's the same as um, Francis Bacon said in his advice to kings, basically, because he was a propagandist, a PR specialist in his day for kings and queens. And, and he, he said that uh, rather than put one heavy tax on one particular item, spread it out, put a penny here and a penny there on different items, and you can get a lot more in with, without a murmur from the public, because it's basic psychology, it works on the public's minds. And that's the same today too. So they start you off with carbon taxes at a fairly low level, but it's to gradually, and not so, not so gradually actually, because you're so well conditioned now, they'll speed it up and increase it and increase it quite a few times in the year. And it's to, get in cover, it's to cover basically every item you can possibly purchase, not just your, your gasoline, but everything you can purchase. Remember, everything too that you purchase is transported to stores and so on, or even to your, your, your home by gasoline <laughs> or diesel. Uh, or trains, whatever it happens to be, uh, is transportation. And all those carbon taxes will be tacked on the particular item. And guess who will pay for it? Well, it's you, naturally. But also, it's, it'll be on your electricity bill and everything else, too. Even the price of a wrapper for a chocolate bar, uh, how much energy did that cost to make? Uh, and much, much carbon was released and heat and so on and the making of that wrapper, well, even that will be included eventually into the purchase price. It's a fantastic windfall for all. For, actually, there's not a lot of folk involved in it. It's pretty well, it's a few folk really with the carbon exchanges that's going to rake all this money in and throw it off uh, off to Switzerland to the big private bank there that the Rothschilds actually own. I read the article years ago on the air about it. That was all arranged back then. Um, and, and you understand, if... The whole world, pretty well, if, if all the carbon taxes are going through one massive bank, then that bank, literally overnight, is going to make trillions in profit for doing nothing. What a great scam this is, isn't it? I've also already read all the... I've gone to the archive section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. I've read so many times 
all the statements made by the con people in politics and so on, and all different organisations that push for carbon taxes and global warming and so on. And I've, I've got given lists and lists of all the, the different statements they've made where they've admitted it's all a con, it's a racket. Politicians too. But they've even said in Canada, one of the politicians, it um, doesn't matter if it's all a, a, a racket, a con, if it's all lies. Uh, this money will be used to put across the world for other purposes. Well, if they all know this, why are we going along so passively with, being, uh, with extortion once again? Lies and extortion. Well, it's because we're good slaves. There's never been such a, a generation of people who are so entertained, no matter what happens, they can go off into fantasy land. And uh, things get worse and worse and worse. You've still got lots of cheap fantasy land to go into. And, and so there's less complaining about it. And they've also had the indoctrination that this is necessary for some nonsense. And they're going to, I guess, put in a rocket ship all this money, carbon taxes, send it into space and let God take it. Maybe you get a receipt take back home with you. I don't know. But uh, this is the farce of it all, because no one asks how this is possibly going to stop <laughs> carbon dioxide, which is a natural trace gas, actually, in the atmosphere. And in times gone by, it's been far, far, far higher than it ever is today. Uh, but uh, facts don't matter. Facts don't matter when big cons are at play. The same folk that brought you communism and internationalism and lots of wars, too, uh, and so on, are, have brought you this racketeering idea of carbon taxes and energy taxes, which just happens to go through all their own or their relatives' banking systems. Not bad at all, is it? Not bad. And you've trained the population to say nothing, don't even murmur about it, just go along with it. Because we are good, good, and fairly contented slaves, you know. So let's just start here with Canada which is uh, a lot colder than a lot of countries and certainly uses more oil and different uh, methods of uh, heating itself, which they must do or, or just freeze to death. I guess that's okay. Legally, you can freeze it to death. That's quite okay to help Mother Nature and all that. And then once you're dead, I mean, you won't be breathing out any carbon dioxide, will you? Uh, now, this article here says, um, buying bulk, downsizing to a smaller vehicle and driving less, a few ways local motorists are trying to cope with an increase in gas prices. Well, the, the last thing they'll do is bitch about it to the right authorities and say, enough is enough. In fact, you've gone beyond enough. No more. Hmm? It says, and so then they give you the usual example, supposedly, of folk, uh, how they're going to cope with this nonsense. Uh, one of them says, I'll be buying uh, gasoline bulk via gas cans on as an Indian reserve where the, the price is still reasonable for an overburdened taxpayer. That's one way they said it. And then the paper asks readers how a price increase at the pumps will affect them. It says, on Tuesday morning, people were paying just over $1.15 a litre for gasoline in Brantford, up from about $1.09 at the end of December. And it says, it's just what I need. Gavin Smith said, a price hikes in my pensioner. I just got a 15% increase in the price of something I can't do without gasoline. I will drive less. So in other words, they're trading you even with this article here to, to, to drive less, which is right out of Agenda 21. And then Robin McLaughlin provided a detailed uh, breakdown on Facebook of the impact of the price hike. 
and says, I commute and use one tank of gas in five days, about 560 kilometers, he says. My vehicle requires premium fuel, so I'm already paying 20 cents per liter over the posted price. I filled up today. It cost me $8 more for a tank of premium than it did before Christmas. That adds up to 34.67 cents more per month, or $416 per year. Not really breaking the bank when you actually look at the numbers. He says, the problem is that based on the price per barrel for oil, we should be paying less than 70 cents per liter. Well, of course we should be. But again, why is it folk think that they're free? Why is it they don't know that they're slaves? Huh? And that you're not run by by any honest people above you. There's not a politician out there that's going to ever be honest about anything. Neither are you going to find some civil service that's going to tell you the truth either. They're all liars as well. In fact, <laughs> I'm also going to put up a, a little a link today, I think, to, to a documentary. Awfully well done, actually. It's, very, it's brief, I think, but it's a documentary on Saul Alinsky. Uh, who, who some of you might know about, of course, and, and I won't go into it. You can read it off for yourself, but it's not a bad documentary, and it's from a Catholic perspective, certainly, and they certainly missed a lot out of it, which they could have put in there, but they didn't. Uh, but anyway, it did go into different, some good stuff, including um, what Machiavelli put in, the, in his writing called The Prince, that uh, government or leaders should never tell the truth to the public anyway. And when they promise anything to the public, uh, then they should never fulfill what they promise. They should always keep the people off balance. Well, that's never changed. And, and that's why every department of government has a public relations department to lie to you. That's what they're there for. Otherwise, why, why, why would you need a, a public relations department if you are the citizen and you go and ask a question? They should just, anyone, anyone working there should tell you the truth. But they don't. It must go through a PR specialist that knows how to lie. And that's really the bottom line of it. Quite simple, isn't it? Anyway, back to this article here, and it says, um, Bonnie White, who also posted a reply on the expositor's Facebook, the newspaper, was ready for the price increase. Last year, I traded my Hyundai SUV for a Honda Fit, White said. I know that gas prices would eventually rise again and even higher, and so on and so on it goes. So there you are. How we adapt is just get don't drive as much. Get used to the idea that eventually you can't drive at all because that's in the Agenda 21 program. No private vehicles allowed. It'd be essential vehicles only. Have you read Agenda 21? Well, it's up to, your, up to you if you want to or not. I have, and I've read all the other articles too and all the other, other appendages to um, that they've done since then. And uh, they don't want you driving, folks. And they'll price it out of your range eventually Until you'll be awfully good And you'll all move into the cities And you'll get buses for a while Until you can't even travel with them But remember too All these these, these so-called carbon prices Are to go on everything That gives you heat of any kind Or you can forget I've just said that And go back to fantasy again Oh, watch some Oh, be sure and fantasize because it's not very—it's not nice to think about the fact that shortly you're going to eventually be faced with what they've had in Britain for years. Uh, that, you know, the wonderful Britain that brought democracy to the world and all that rubbish, where where thousands die in their homes every year, uh, and that's quite normal now. That's acceptable level because they can't afford uh, to heat themselves. Well, welcome to the world, folks, because it's going to be spread across the board now.
And once again, I'm sure they'll tell you how to cope with it for a while, because they had that in Britain years ago. Put on more, more, more clothing in your home to keep warm. Blah, 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 blah. All that rubbish. All that rubbish. But, la- but they won't tell you to get up there and cause mayhem to the folks that are bringing it all on until it's taken off the books. They won't tell you that. They'll just tell you how to adapt to it. So that's what media is really for, isn't it? Then this article, too, is um, Toronto, a Toronto paper, Toronto Sun. Um, it says that uh, Dan Matig, senior petroleum analyst with GasBuddy.com, predicting uh, the per litre price of gasoline will rise to $1.169 Sunday, uh, fueled by the new cap-and-trade fee charged by the Ontario government. Remember, too, the big corporations get all these things handed to them by the government for free, all these carbon credits to trade, to start off making a profit for themselves, as we, you pay it all, though. You pay it all, folks. I've, I've done so many talks on that. It's all in the archive section at cuttingthroughmates.com. I, I, I'm not going to do them all again. I've gone into them all in detail across the world, the same agenda, and uh, I'm going to go through it again. Anyway, it says... Um, that looks like it's going to be the price pretty much across all southern Ontario, from Ottawa all the way back down to Windsor, and right up to as far, and including North Bay. Without cap-and-trade charge, which kicks in January the 1st, Morris would likely have been paying $1.119 cents a litre, he said. The new fees expect to add 4.3 cents to the cost of every litre of gasoline. Actually, it's over that already. There will be three taxes embedded into each litre of gasoline, one federal, two provincial, plus harmonized sales tax on top of those taxes for a total tax hit of about 42 cents per litre. That's what you're paying on taxes. 42 cents per litre. Mm-hmm. Well, the pump price for gasoline may be the most obvious sign that energy is getting more expensive in Ontario. It's only getting expensive because of the taxes. Hmm? It says, uh, Matig says, consumers also need to pay attention to the impact on diesel prices. As I've said, everything is transported, folks, and so everything is going to, is going to go up in price. Everything you purchase, and all services too. School buses use diesel, they all got in price. Snow plows for, this, for your roads, garbage trucks, they're all going to cost more to operate. And meanwhile, everybody's been prattling about different actresses dying and rubbish like that. But when it comes to this stuff here, they have no clue what's going on. Hmm. And it says, no doubt this will have wider implications in the cost of living for ordinary individuals. Well, it's meant to be. It's a big coup for all the big globalists out there who've been wanting to plunder you more and more and more. And also to start really controlling your life from birth to death. That's, that's all part of the Agenda 21. Millennium Project, Agenda 21, 2030, it's all the same project. I said, it doesn't just end with transportation fuel. Everything's going to be affected by this. It's going to be a lot more expensive to live in Ontario now, Matek said. And Kathleen Wynne government said it introduced cap and trade, that's in Ontario, as a measure to combat climate change and reward businesses that cut their greenhouse emissions. That's the big, big corporations. Big corporations. But which is not mentioned is that just like Europe, they gave millions to the big corporations to start off their trading with each other, a new trading, and this, this nonsense of greenhouse gasage, which they don't, you don't even have to show them anything, it's all on paper. What a great con, the king has no clothes, eh? 
Yep. I tell you. But again, I guess if the public accept these things, there's not much you can really do about it. You really can't, see? They accept it. And they'll all stand back, mind you, and let you be a martyr and take take the can for if, for, for standing up and, and trying to do the right thing and getting and yelling at politicians or whatever to get this all changed and maybe you have an accident happen to you. Uh, you'll be forgotten before you know it. So that's unfortunately true with most folk. It's so true, isn't it? So true, but um, it makes you, it really does make you shake your head. It makes me shake my head just how bad it is that we're humans. So well trained and indoctrinated, they don't even know that they are. Or even how they got indoctrinated, they just stare at television all day long or all night long. And they're getting programmed for what's to come. I've said before, for any big, big change, and, and folk will say, well, well, they could never do that to the public. Well, yes, they can, I always say. First, you've you got to do look at like a farmer, looking at his fields and his crops. First, you must look at the land you want to grow things in. Uh, you got to go there and you got to remove all the rocks and so on. Then you got to plow it up. Then you'll disc it and harrow it and all the rest of it. Get everything ready, aerate the soil. And, and then you, you put the seed in. You know, that's how you got to do it, basically. And uh, and they not grow. You can't just skip any stage at all, or you'll lose the crop. And that's how your mind is worked by those who know how to work it. Uh, they indoctrinate you through thousands and thousands of bits and bytes over so many years until you actually believe that you're responsible for making the planet supposedly heat up when it's not heating up and causing an increase in carbon dioxide, which you're not going to pay for. Beautiful, isn't it? That's why, that's why there's no screaming about this. That's why. You're conditioned already. Because that's why government employs all these massive think tanks and, and specialists and behaviorists and psychologists and neuroscientists on board with them to get these ideas across. And they work with television and fiction and everything else. And that's how it's done. That's how it's done. And their article here, too, is... Um, Gas prices rising. Here's how it will make living in Canada more expensive. I says, but don't expect the price hikes to stop there, you see. Canadians living in Alberta and Ontario saw the gas price spike in New Year due to carbon pricing. And I think 2017 is probably going to be more expensive than the past two or three years. That's why they're specialists. Not knowing they're going to gouge you for taxes, more taxes, they can come up with statements like that. It's really intelligent that... I think 2017 is probably going to be more expensive than the past two to three years. Not just for gasoline, but also for diesel. The gasoline analyst, Dan Matek, says, I guess that's why I'm a specialist. So it's going, be, it's going to be more expensive to live here than it has been in the past two or three years because this increase is coming in. Wow, I guess that's why you go to universities and stuff. The carbon taxes are intended to reduce... <laughs> I'm not going to even say that's a lie Supposedly to reduce greenhouse gas emissions Out of all the, the greenhouse gas emissions Carbon dioxide is, is a trace gas It's invisible too And it's got nothing to do with climate change It hasn't even, nothing been proven Along with the carbon prices on OPEC agreement to cut global production of oil will also put pressure on prices at the pump. So no one who produces oil is going to lose out. They'll just jack up the prices too. And you'll, you'll pay a lot more and you're going to use less and less and less. So they don't lose anything. You know, the guys actually make the oil. 
And it's likely to send oil and gasoline prices that much higher, said Matiga. Again, he's a specialist. Mm-hmm. An increase in the fuel cost will also take a bite out of the budgets of non-drivers. And here's how it's going to affect you. The range of vehicles on the road from ultra-fuel-efficient to gas guzzlers. Some hybrid vehicles will consume in the neighborhood of 5 litres per 100 kilometres. At $1 per litre annual fuel costs at around $1,000 if someone drives approximately 20,000 kilometres. A bump of $0.10 cents per litre pushes annual cost to about $1,100, an annual increase of $100. Can be a lot more than that. And watch, what will Alberta's carbon tax cost you? Some trucks and large SUVs consume roughly 15 litres per 100 kilometres of driving. At $1 a litre, annual fuel costs are around $3,000 for the same 20,000 kilometres. A bump of $0.10 cents per litre pushes annual cost to $3,300, an increase of $300 per year, and so on and so on. And uh, as costs rise, consumer spending likely to shrink. Remember, I was talking about austerity, post-consumerism, all coming from the United Nations years ago, working with uh, this whole Agenda 21 stuff. It says here, as costs rise, consumer spending likely to shrink. Well, aren't they geniuses, eh? Just when diesel goes up, so does the cost of goods and services. One would have to look at the inflationary impact it's going to have. Things like groceries, things like transportation, public and personal, will be going up. It says uh, in the first years, it doesn't say how many years, the cap and trade. In other words, these massive taxes will cost interior residents and businesses $8 billion in the first years, however many years this is, doesn't say. Uh, it's going to put uh, further pinch on overall budgets. I guess that's why there's, there's a specialist say, is they, is they gouge you um, and gouge you and take food out of your mouth. They're telling you it's going to be more expensive to live. Ay, 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 ay. It's all repetition, isn't it? I mean, no, it's the, that's what news is, is now. It's all repetition, where they, they they can't think what else to say. And here you, this is completely Agenda 21, right down to rural disadvantage if you live in a rural area. A rise in the gas prices can prompt some people to instead to, to use public transit, but often isn't an option for rural residents who rely on personal vehicles. Ontario MPP Steve Clark, representing Leeds uh, Grenville and deputy leader of the Ontario PC party, said his office has already received dozens of calls and emails since provisional cap and trade was induced in January the 1st. Uh, and it's going to be very hard to live in the rural area as they really gouge you because in Agenda 21 it says they want you off of the land and into the overcrowded cities. It sick, sickens me even to read this stuff. It's like deja vu all over again, you know, just... Because I gave so many talks on this very topic for years and hardly got a, a burp back from the general population, to be honest with you. Like, there's like no one cared. So maybe no one really does. And then cap and trade carbon tax causes a diesel fuel spike in Ontario. The Ontario Trucking Association is informing members about notices they receive from fuel suppliers regarding the increased cost of diesel fuel resulting from the new carbon pricing system that took effect in, in January the 1st, 2017. As is reported, diesel fuel prices increase are said to be in the range of 5, well, it says 5.25, must be cents, to 5.50 cents per litre, which is consistent with the projection made by OTA in November. 
The impact of carbon pricing system on diesel fuel prices will not be captured in Ontario at the retail level like other government taxes. Instead, it's built into the wholesale price like the fuel supplier fees and so on. It's also been reported to the OTA that carriers are expected to an adjustment to the freight carriers association fuel surcharge rate. The change is expected to be published later this week. And so on. So, you know, they haven't mentioned the cost of just heating your home yet. They don't want to spook everybody too much all, all at once. Ontario Hydro rebates start in January, but so did the carbon taxes. And this, this is comical. This is a bit of electric supply at home, you see. And the folk have no clue how it works anymore because the, it's, it's so. It's, it's literally the game you've seen done on most of movies and so on, where they, they put a, uh, something under an egg cup and they have three egg cups and you uh, uh, they switch them around, switch them around, switch them around until you lose where the one is. That's exactly how they do these rebates. The pub, until folk give up and can't figure anything out. Ontario residents will notice more money in one pocket and less in the other. This is, this is an article here. As electricity tax rebates and new carbon fees for natural gas and gasoline take effect, in 2017, first time home buyers will get a break on the land transfer tax. <laughs> oh, really? Just in time for New Year's resolutions, restaurant chains with at least 20 locations must post calorie counts on their menus. I guess we're going to get carbon on that too. Travelers planning winter vacations can also rely on package trips being advertised with, with on pricing and no hidden fees and so on. On the energy front, Premier Kathleen Wynne's promised to waive the 8% provincial portion of the harmonised sales tax and hydro bill, electric bills kicks in to give ratepayers some much-needed relief just in time for them to take it off in carbon taxes. <laughs> it's beautiful how the, racket, the racketeers con you. Hey? Well, there's no, there's no lack of racketeering going on. Uh, and by God, they, they just bring in the teams of con men to put it across to us, don't they? And they, I think, actually, they overdo it. They don't need to, to, to con us as much as they do. The, the public are quite content to go along with anything right now, it seems to me, anyway. That's what I see. Now, I hate even reading mainstream articles because the lies that they've given you are tucked in to the articles, little terms, without explaining anything. They don't want to explain anything because then they'd have to admit they're lying. So they, but they keep the same terminology on the go. It says here that um, gasoline companies can also charge motorists 4.3 cents per litre on carbon fees, just over $2 per tank, which will help fund programs here. He will help fund programs aimed at reducing greenhouse gas emissions that cause climate change. See, so it's greenhouse gas emissions that cause climate change. Now, the biggest greenhouse gas emission out there uh, is actually water vapour. See, facts don't matter when it comes to the big con. It says, here's how, how the carbon fees work. Companies selling fossil fuels must buy greenhouse gas allowances. So if you're selling fuel, for instance, any kind of fuel, which they call now call fossil fuels for some reason, which is a big con to, uh, to heat your home, right? Uh, they must first buy greenhouse gas allowances under the government plan to cap carbon emissions and can trade carbon credits for profit if they come in below their limits. So the big corporations can, can make a, a fortune trading this nonsense, you see. Uh, but you're going to pay for it all. 
says Enrich passes the cap and trade cost to consumers and the amount customers pay is related to the amount of natural gas they use, the company explains on its website. We believe that both natural gas and Enrich can play an important role in helping to reduce overall emissions in Ontario. It'll achieve a lot of agendas, and as it reduces the populations as they freeze to death in their homes, it'll reduce the population as well. And that's also part of the Agenda 21 and Millennium Project. It fulfills a lot of things all at once, isn't it? This coincidence, that too, isn't it? The carbon fee will be included in the, in the delivery line of natural gas bills and not listed separately under terms of an Ontario Energy Board ruling that's been widely criticised by opposition parties. And I won't tell you either where the money's going to go and what pockets it's going to go through. It's fantastic for every crook up there, isn't there? Every crook that sits and runs and sits over us is just going to get so loaded with money like they've never had in their lives before, even the multi-billionaires. I'm going to rake this in now, I'm telling you. Poor. And it says here, amongst other things that took effect January, diners can expect to see calorie counts and blah, blah, blah. Dietitians of Canada can call new calorie labelling. So, so this is the good things. Oh, calorie labelling law. Why not label things that are GM? Oh, no, we can't do that. Big corporations might get upset. Huh. <laughs> Aren't we really stupid days? Eh? We get our faces slapped all the time and Then we thank them for doing it oh, It's quite some Quite some for It really is, isn't it? This so-called reality is quite some I'm telling you Now, I've mentioned so many times too That part of the agenda And most of the agenda actually Is written by internationalist private think tanks And, fo- and foundations and so on I've gone through the histories of them Ad nauseum as well and again, you can go through cuttingthroughmedias.com to show you how the world is run and not by the thing, the folk you think you elect. But these big private foundations like Council on Foreign Relations, which is just a subsidiary of really the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which is also a private organization. And they run the media, they run uh, the think tanks, advise governments as to what to do. And actually, they draft up. Uh, all the different trade agreements for internationalism and so on. And we don't vote for any of them. And none of them say they actually work for government, even though they tell government what to do. And I mean tell government what to do. They also put members into government and they put members into the civil service and the top positions. You've had them for a hundred years, even before they were called what they're called now. Same organization. Anyway, it says, top counselor in foreign relations globalists warns that the United Nations will get hammered by Trump. And it says, um, amid escalating outrage surrounding the scandal-plagued UN, globalists seem to be in a panic about the fate of their beloved international organization under the incoming administration. Indeed, a high-ranking globalist with a global government promoting counselor in foreign relations a chief promoter of the UN Dictators Club for generations, whined last week that the widely ridiculed global body was going to be hammered by President-elect Donald Trump and the GOP-controlled Congress. However, being hammered may be just the start of problems for globalists and their uh, precious UN. 
following a UN Security Council vote last year declaring certain Jewish settlements to be illegal, establishment politicians and liberty-minded lawmakers in Congress have already joined forces in a bid to defund the controversial international organization. Meanwhile, the movement for a complete U.S. withdrawal from the UN has gone mainstream and is picking up momentum like never before. And Trump campaigned on a platform of rejecting globalism in favor of Americanism. Now, I don't fall over when I read things or see things or hear things. I wait to see what happens. Because I've lived long enough to see the rackets and the cons and the promises, etc., of uh, internationalists playing on ours, uh, every nation in the world, not just, you know, Canada or Britain or elsewhere. And uh, I've got to really, you've got to really watch, uh, like when Kissinger is possibly coming on board with him and so on. Now, Kissinger's also a CFR and trilateral. Uh, and to the trilateral boys are the real technocrats that simply place themselves at the head for the World Bank and IMF and all the rest of it across the world and and even get sent in to take over from presidents and prime ministers, the private organization. So, I mean, you don't just jump and be all rah-rah. Remember, public-private partnerships is one of the biggest parts of Agenda 21 where the international corporations run the planet and uh, as public, the public pay for everything to get built for them, like roads and big factories across the planet and things like that, and you pay for the upkeep uh, and the big boys simply own it and, and take all the profit in, if you haven't figured that out. Author developments of senior globalists and establishment uh, types and says, Among the many foreign policy uncertainties created by Donald Trump's election, there's one prediction that we can take it to the bank. The United Nations is going to be hammered, complained Stuart Patrick, the Council on Foreign Relations Director of International Institutions and Global Governance. Canada's got one of the headquarters right here, in fact, it's in Ontario. Global Governance. Did you vote for Global Governance? No. Do you vote for anything that matters? No. Did you vote for carbon taxes? No. <laughs> and you say that you're free. Hmm. So in a column last week, headlined future U.S. relationship with U.N. and doubts. An unapologetic uh, nationalist is bound for the White House. Republicans are in control of both houses of Congress and the world body is in their crosshairs, it says. Like the Council on Foreign Relations as a whole, Patrick is an unapologetic advocate of global governance and further empowering the infamous Dictators Club to make policy for humanity. They don't believe... See, these are the guys who push democracy. Uh, the term, the word democracy, when they want to go and, and have you invade countries using their NATO wing of the United Nations and stuff, but they don't believe in it. They believe that experts should run the world. And they're quite right in a sense, simply because, simply, and I really mean this, because, you see, the people have never run the world. It's always been the, the so-called uh, unelected experts that run it, as they still do, and, and so on. I mean, the CFR in Canada admitted uh, that they drafted up the agreements for NAFTA for merging Canada into a new conglomerate North American group, which would eventually uh, dissolve any nationality at all into one massive m- lump, basically, with Mexico, the U.S. And so they even thought about putting in our parliament somewhere else to run the Americas, like Montreal, maybe in Montreal. I read these years ago on the air. 
But uh, it was drafted up by these boys, you know, these private organizations. So why bother voting when these guys run it all? Hmm. And it says here, um, they believe that uh, in the Dictators Club, that there's the right to make policy for humanity. Include Patrick is so extreme in his globalistic fanaticism that he managed to exploit even the rape of children by the UN peacekeeping troops as an argument for handing uh, the UN vast new powers. And that's true. Of, that I read them on there years ago, too. Seriously, this is, um, essentially, he argued to stop UN troops from raping children all over the world. The UN should establish its own planetary judicial system with the power to prosecute even US troops. Ay, ay, ay. Now, ahead of the Trump presidency, the CFR globalist and his cohorts appear to be concerned that the UN is heading for tough times at best, and possibly the dustbin of history. In his latest screed published by CNN, an establishment propaganda organ often ridiculed as the Clinton News Network or even the Communist News Network, Patrick absurdly tried to paint a dictator-dominated anti-freedom UN as a vehicle to advance the agenda of the United States, by which he means the globalist agenda of the Council on Foreign Relations. Patrick's fears no doubt reflect those of the globalist CFR he serves. To understand the CFR mindset, consider the comments of former U.S. Navy Judge Advocate General Admiral Chester Ward, who joined the CFR but defected once he realized the subversive nature of his agenda. The CFR's goal, Admiral Ward explained, is the submergence of U.S. sovereignty and national independence into an all-powerful one-world government. That world government would be the United Nations, at least if globalists get their way. And it's not just a few bad apples. Uh, this lust to surrender the sovereignty and independence of the U.S. is pervasive throughout most of this membership. Ward continued in his blistering comments, exposing the organization he was involved with for some two decades. An entire CFR lexicon, there's no term of revulsion carrying a meaning so deep as America first. America first, of course, was one of Trump's key campaign slogans. And they got hammered, actually, for that slogan because someone else used it a long time ago for another country first. And, uh, and the group who um, are complaining about it don't like that much. So, unsurprisingly, the CFR, which then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton admitted, told her what to do and how to think, is deeply concerned about the president-elect. By the way, everything I'm saying here has got, to, has got links going to Hillary Clinton's admissions and everybody else's admissions and so on. So this, is, this, isn't, this is not made-up stuff. If anybody wants to look at it and find it for themselves, they can definitely check it out themselves. And it says, um, Hillary Clinton admitted, to, told her what to do and what to think. It's deeply concerned about the president-elect. Taking aim at Trump's uh, comments about the UN, Patrick claimed that the relationship between the US government and the UN is fraught in the best of times. Conservative critics, both in and outside government, regularly scapegoat the UN for the failure of its member states, he claimed offering up a straw man to knock down rather than address the actual criticism of the UN offered by non-establishment conservatives because it lacks a domestic constituency and is an irresistible target for nationalist demagogues. By the way, too, I mean, NATO is just the, the military wing of the United Nations and it's got way too much power. Um, it's been used for all the wrong purposes, like a private army, by those in charge of it. 
Anyway, Patrick then praised Obama's globalism before viciously attacking Trump and his supporters after eight years of the most uh, multilaterally inclined U.S. administration in history. The United Nations is in for a shock. Patrick continued, Donald Trump is a new sheriff in town where President Obama proclaimed himself a citizen of the world. Well, so did Pierre Trudeau, the first major communist of Canada. And I say that, you know, not his son is now the present uh, prime minister of Canada. But uh, he was. I mean, Pierre Trudeau um, called himself a citizen of the world too. That was one of the, the, term, the terms that he used amongst themselves and, and to the public too. I hadn't a clue. They thought it was just Plato they were talking about. But it's actually this globalist agenda. And, um, but they don't believe really, and they never have believed in what's real, real democracy. They, they've always believed that uh, the special select bunch of experts should rule the world. And the whole idea of, of democracy was just to get the public to go along with it all. Remember, you must always lie to the general population and tell them that the good times are ahead for them if they just become some vast army to overthrow whoever it happens to be. And then they put themselves in charge, just like the Bolsheviks jumped ahead of the socialist movements in Russia and, and uh, took it all over for a small clique that came in from the States, basically. Anyway, it says here, um, in reality, the new, the, the new UN chief has a long career as a politician and bureaucrat, notable primarily for his unswerving loyalty to socialism, globalism, and worldwide tyranny. And this is, they're talking about Antonio uh, Guterres, the new, the new UN boss. And that's true, a radical socialist party operative and globalist extremist who once led a totalitarian-minded socialist international alliance. And you can't really get more. More so than that. So really, I mean, you, you know, the, the UN is, is nothing of what people think it is. It's always amazed me how, how great propagandists will be used with think tanks to put it across the general public of how great this whatever, whatever totalitarian system is, is wonderful for the people as they slaughter millions across the planet. It's, it's just astonishing. The times we live in, in the 21st century, and we've had nothing but slaughter since it all began. And it's still going slaughtering. And they're not finished slaughtering. And then you've got the scientific bodies working for CFR and other so-called specialist groups who want to depopulate us even more, not just sterilize us all, but have us all dying faster with cancers and so on to bring down the population of the planet. I mean, you talk about slaughter and madness. And and, we're, and the ones who are doing it train us to believe that the ones who want to kill you all are the good guys. It's just, uh, maybe it's right, you know. If you just walk away from this planet, maybe that's what we have to all do. Just walk away. If you could. Hmm? Remember, years ago, they had all the, the old psychedelic drawings and so on. There was one famous one, I can't remember the name of it, where you saw a path coming out of the world, going off of, up into the stars somewhere. That's what we kind of need now, isn't it? So we can just walk away from all this place here because, because it's nothing but uh, total mind control, isn't it? Total mind control, like never before. Complete mind control. The school system has never had it so good for total indoctrination. And by the time they churn out their high schoolers, they're, they're theirs for life. They'll never deviate for all the future things that are planned to hit them down the road. They'll accept it all because they've been indoctrinated into it already. It's perfect, isn't it? 
the adults don't have, they just, get, they just get their upgrades from television without even knowing it. Hmm. It really is something, though, isn't it? To watch what's happening in the world, to live through it, and to know that no matter how much you've learned and studied and so on, most folk haven't. And they are still living in the land of fiction where they kind of dream through life and accept whatever comes down the pike. They're conditioned to accept it. And they don't even know they're conditioned to accept it. With these carbon taxes and so on, the only place that had writing was in Mexico. The States didn't have it. Canada didn't. I think Canada didn't even yawn. And that's the start of it. And it's going to go up and up and up until over half of what you're getting or paying is going to be in, just in carbon taxes. The rest of the other half will be in all other taxes. So, so that's what it's going to be. It's incredible. And not, not boo, not nothing. No. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Now on to this too. And it's, again, another article. It says, Stuart Patrick is a senior fellow director of the Programme on International Institutions and Global Governance that comes from Foreign Relations, this big private global club set up to take over and run the world and run the world's governments. Long ago, Carl Quigley was their own personal um, historian. They have their own version of history because they have the truth of how things happen since they're behind most of the things. And he had made that too in his own books. But anyway, um, it's amongst the many of the foreign policy uncertainties created by Donald Trump's election. There's one prediction we can take it to the bank. The United Nations is going to get hammered again. Same kind of thing again. Last week's Security Council vote to condemn Israel a settlement in the West Bank, resolution of which the Obama administration controversially abstained, has enraged the GOP legislators, and so on and so on. But anyway, this goes into the UN relationship uh, with the US, fraught with the best of times during the George W. Bush administration when the US imposed a unilateral vision globally, or during the 1990s when Senator Jesse Helms bedeviled the United Nations and created a financial crisis at the institution by withholding U.S. Jews. Conservative critics both in and outside government regularly scapegoat the U.N. for the failures of its member states, and because it lacks domestic constituency, it's an irresistible target for nationalist demagogues. Remember, too, the U.N. came out of the League of Nations, and the League of Nations was the big uh, internationalist idea of creating an embryonic world government body, which is now the United Nations. And they based it at the United, in the United Nations. The Rockefellers put the money up for it, and they were part of this globalist international agenda. And, um, and that's where it is today. It's not in some foreign nation. It's in the United States. <laughs> there you go. There's a reason for that. Since after eight years of the most multilaterally inclined U.S. administration history, the United Nations is in for a shock, blah, 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 because Donald Trump is a new sheriff in town. Yada, yada, yada. So everyone's uh, supposedly panicking. I don't really believe they're panicking. They don't panic. They always say in the United, in the United Nations, in the CFR, and the trilateral groups, they always say that how can we use this crisis to our advantage? And they do. And you should always remember that, too, because if you see the same agenda continuing under a different guise or a different applause, and I mean applause, 
Because the schmucks always, the idiots always applaud uh, their own demise. Oh, never forget that. And if you see all your tax money going to public-private partnerships where big corporations have new factories built and stuff like that by the taxpayer, um, you're seeing the fulfillment of Agenda 21 across the world, including your own nation or ex-nation, depending on how you look upon it or how embedded you are into it already. So it's quite amazing to me and amusing to an extent to watch what really happens and the spin that's put on it. Remember that millions, millions of jobs were lost in the U.S. alone uh, when the free trade with China was all signed and put in. I mean, they took years to, to, to work all that out quietly, and they probably never heard of it coming along, this free trade deal. And bingo, once it happened, all these big uh, factories uprooted themselves the taxpayers were signed into law by your politicians to pay their bills for moving to China, setting up in China, building in China their factories, uh, and 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 and, uh, and you still, as taxpayers, fund them for any losses they incur for the first fifteen years under the your wonderful politicians' deals. And most of the public live through all that; and they don't even know that this happened. It's astonishing, you me. Uh, Free trade, eh? And again, it's the CFR that drafted all those things up. The CFR branch for Britain, um, which is the Royal Institute for International Affairs, private club, they drafted up the whole amalgamation for the for the integration of Europe. And lied to the public since 1948 until they built the parliament, and, and there you go. It was done. That's what we live in, is total deception. And you'll never get anything honest to come out of the mouths of... Um, civil servants and politicians or anybody who works for the state, basically. It's not going to happen. I think the first thing they're taught is never tell the public anything. And that's what you see. Never tell them anything. You go into a public building and you're looking for someone for directions or whatever and you'll see them disappearing into side rooms and things. It's like a horror movie. These things that just shadows go on the walls and they just disappear because you remember the public. They might have, they might have to say something to you, and they might say something that's too close to the truth, and then they get in trouble. Hmm. No, you have to go through the the PR branch of, of whatever it is, so that they can lie to you properly, and you walk out with with a lie, and, and you have, but you have a smile on your face because it makes you feel good about it as you're getting lied to. That's what PR is all about. I can remember when Brian Mulroney brought in at that time, it was the, the general sales tax. They ran call it the value-added tax that the CFR had brought in across the whole planet. They called it a different name, and uh, it was all to pay off the national debt. They always lie to you, always give a good cover. Like, like basically, Saul Alinsky said the same thing, that their party, the far, far left, the ones above who ran communism, the ones above them, Above communism, says we always use the human traits, humans' traits, appeal to their better nature as you lie to them, and that's what all sides do. So yeah, the, the, this tax that Maroney was talking about was going to pay off the national debt. Years after he left office, he was on an interview on CBC, the Communist Broadcasting Corporation Canada, and he he admitted when he was asked that question, how much of that tax went to pay off the debt? He says not not a penny. He says. And folk keep voting. 
doesn't matter who they vote for, they're always getting lied to because they all have PR departments and specialist think tanks on how to present a face to the public. Not the truth to the public, but a face to the public. I, personally, I'm kind of sick of the faces part. And I don't expect much, mind you, from them. Like, you know, some folk get awfully serious and really, really want to believe them. Uh, you know, that's quite something to me. But as I say, when a country starts to tax your travel, which that boils down to, think about it, that's what you're getting, folks. Your right to travel and your ability to travel and your right to heat yourself and so on. And to, to a level comfortable to you and your physical condition, whoever it happens to be, uh, then you are being persecuted and you better understand that. And if you've got any gonads left at all in this GM saturated world with all these pesticides and so on, uh, you should be get up in their faces and complaining because that's all you have left is your ability to scream and yell and say, enough, 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 get this off the books including the same nonsense with all the climate nonsense too, that certainly has not been proven at all. Science has to be proven to be called science, and it has to be proven with experiments that you can simulate yourself with the same results, and you won't get them. Because it's not science at all. It's a big socialist engineering con game. Well, from myself, from a very cold Ontario, Canada, I'm Alan Watts. And it's good night. May your God, your gods go with you. <laughs>